0: I'm wondering if that song actually has a name or if it's just a generic theme song with a thumping stand-up bass, whatever it is. I love it because it means we're in the steam room for another, uh, Charles Barkley, Ernie Johnson podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tell your friends they can become loyal steamers just like you just subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Charles, how are you today, kid?
1: Man, it's been a rough week. Uh,
0: Got to get a couple things off my chest.
1: for first of all, and uh, but it's it's going to be a little deep to start the show today.
0: You know what? I never have a problem with that. And with no further ado, let's hit first of all.
1: Well, you know, Ernie, I know this was so personal for you, uh, losing the great uh, Hank Aaron, Mister. I called him Mister. Aaron. You know, I got to know him a little bit the last few years because a girl who took care of me with the 76 sixers has been like his personal assistant for like the last 20 years. She introduced me to him quite a few times, and I checked on him at least two or three days a week for the last X amount of years. And when when I got that call Friday morning, the first thing I did was text you yeah. uh, to make sure you are all right because I know your dad and Mr. Aaron played together, and... Man, it was just sad. I know he had a great, amazing life, but nobody ever talks about his baseball. Like, when I saw his stats about 20 All-Star games, and obviously <laughs> everybody know about the home runs and things like that, but every comment was about class and dignity, and, man, I think everybody want to be remembered with class and dignity.
0: And as a true gentleman, yeah.
1: So I'll let you say what you want to say because you knew him a lot better than me.
0: No, I mean, look, our—I—I I would never pretend that you know. Oh yeah, we're these tight, lifelong friends, and we're all you know. I just grew up around him simply because I was always tagging along with my dad to the ballpark when he was uh, broadcasting games, and it was a pretty surreal thing, Chuck, to uh, you know be standing behind the batting cage and walking it, watching him take his swings and. You know, he's walking out of the cage and he's saying, hey, how's your team doing? How's that Little League? You know, and it's like, wow. You know, and and then, you know, as I grew older and, you know, I get into the media, there were there were so many, you know, times when we were at the same events or interviews and that kind of thing. And, and it just never, um, every time it was just special. You know, every time you just sat there and realized, I'm talking to Hank Aaron right now. Our families were close with, you know, with my dad playing with him. My dad was, you know, my dad played with him for five years and was there when, when Hank came up as a rookie in 54. I was looking the other day at a baseball reference, and the day that Henry hit his first home run, my dad had pitched him relief in that game, you know. And so, And, and I started thinking, between playing with Henry and broadcasting Braves games for so long, my dad saw about every home run he hit. You know, and and then for him to be able to call some of those memorable ones was was really was really special for him. So um, there, there's not going to be another one like him. And um, our thoughts obviously go out to his widow Billy and and the kids. I talked to Larry the other day, his son, and uh, and one of these days we'll have him on the podcast. We'll have Larry on, and we'll just talk about his dad and what it was like growing up with Hank Aaron as your dad.
1: I talked to Larry also, and actually a friend of mine called me and says, hey, man, can you reach out to Dusty Baker? I didn't realize how close Dusty and, and Mr. Aaron were. And he, people said he was devastated, and I've known Dusty for a long time. And I sent him a text like, you just never know, man. Because for me, Mr. Aaron, for I guess for all the uh, baseball people, he's like Bill Russell to me. Bill Russell's been like a father to me for a long time, And like you said, every time you were around Mr. Aaron, myself included, I was like, wow, this is a special thing. And I feel that exact same way when I'm around Bill Russell. I mean, like, (laughs) I remember when Bill Russell cursed me out one day, he called me. I don't even know how he got my number. He says, Charles Barkley? I said, yes, sir, who's this? He said, it's Bill Russell. I said, hey, Mr. Russell, how you doing? He said, shut the hell up. I said, "Uh uh-oh, what I do, Mr. Russell? He says, you grew up poor in Alabama, right? I says, yes, sir. He says, did you go to public school? I said, yes, sir. He says, did the cops ever come to your neighborhood? I said, yes, sir, they came all the time. He says, I don't want your black ass on TV talking about paying taxes anymore, because somebody paid taxes for you to go to public school the cops to come to your neighborhood. Now just because you're making money, don't act like you ain't got no sense. And I said, Mr. Russell, I'm never going to complain about taxes again. Wow. This goes way back, I mean, I'm talking about to the early 90s when he called me and cursed me out. And when the sons retired my jersey, they said, who you want here? I said, I want Bill Russell here. He came down, and, and I love that dude like a father. So, and the thing that's interesting, Ernie, you know, Mr. Aaron is from Alabama. Most people don't know that because he's so synonymous with, the, with Atlanta. Right. And uh, I just wanted to acknowledge him. And listen, there's two other people I need to acknowledge also. Don Sutton and Phil Negro. Two other greats of the game who passed away, and uh, my thoughts and prayers are with their family. I got to meet Don Sutton quite a few times going to Braves games. Um, I don't know if I ever met Mr. Necro. I don't think I did. I think I knew his daughter or his niece. Uh, from back in the day. I just want to don't leave those guys out, but they obviously didn't get the accolades when they passed away, but Phil Negro and Don Sutton rest in peace. And I know you had to know both of those guys too, obviously. Yeah,
0: very well. Yeah. And one of the things that Phil as a brave and Henry Aaron as a brave, one thing they shared, just the most grounded superstars and the most grounded hall of famers that you'd ever meet, uh, you would have never known, you know, from talking to them because they weren't tooting their own horns or anything like that. I think they both, you know, they both realized how how lucky they were to be doing what they were doing. You know, they're paying me to play baseball and play it for a long time at a high level. Our relationship with the, with the Necros was uh, was really special between the families. You know, my mom told me the other day, she said, you know, when, when Nuxie was just a kid, you know, like he's a rookie, and he said, "My dad just after a ball game just invited Phil and a couple other players who were single. Just said, come on, come by the house. You got to have dinner with us." And and my mom said, "Oh, set a couple extra plates. A couple of a couple of Braves kids are coming over for dinner." So, um, you know, we're just at that point, Chuck, um, and it, uh, these things are just coming at us at this alarming rate where a very few days go by where we're not saying man alive. There's another one of those guys who you grew up respecting and, you know, at, at some point, you know, idolizing their talents and then, and then they're gone. It's uh, stuff.
1: And I want to give a, a, a special mention to a, a guy who was part of the Turner family Uh, for the last few years who passed away from COVID this week, Sekou Smith. You know, I don't know if a lot of guys, they watch us on TNT, but we have a sister network, uh, NBA television, and we get to know all these guys really well over the years. And I can say one thing about being part of the Turner family, man. I really have enjoyed getting to know all these people for the last 20 years. I knew he had been in the hospital and had been sick, and when I got the news this week he had passed away, uh, it hurt because uh, you could you couldn't meet a better guy, a hardworking guy, and to lose a family member like we did at Turner this week, it was it was very painful.
0: I had a chance, you know, because I've done some NBA TV stuff in years past, you know, and you know Seku may have been on a show here and there with with us, you know, talking about trade deadlines or talking about news around the league but most of the time it was my interactions were with him were off the air they were you know in the outside the green room where the tv monitors are and everybody's kind of hanging out and and uh and he was always it's just such a great source if you had a question about the league or something that was going on and he'd say Seiko, what's going on in that and man he knew there was nothing there was nothing that he said I'll check into that it was like well oh, here's what the deal is this guy is this player has a problem with this player and, uh, this, this ownership, you know, and this GM and, and it's like, wow, he's, I mean, he was so dialed in for so many years and, and did it with just a joy. Yes. You know, you see him all the way down the hallway, he'd be smiling and laughing and just loving life and loving the fact that again, when you, when you're doing something that you love doing, it's not like work at all. And, and he embodied that.
1: And also, I almost forgot it, because I don't want Fratello to kill me. Uh, the great Tommy Lasorda, I know he was so close to Mike Fratello over these years. And uh, I got a chance to meet uh, Coach Lasorda a few times. And uh, I know him and Raleigh Massimino are breaking bread somewhere right now, uh, the Italian <laughs> connection. So I want to give uh, my thoughts and prayers to the Dodgers organization and Tommy Lasorda's family also.
0: We're sad, but we're left with fond memories of all. And um, man, we would just uh, we get through another week where we uh, where we remember and we appreciate any and all relationships we had with those with those guys. Well said, Chuckster. I appreciate you. And hey, look, sometimes you have to you have to start the steam room on a, uh, a somber note. It is. It is because that's what it requires, and that's real life. We will continue in just a moment. We do have a guest today. Special guest. You know him very well, and he will be joining us next, getting ready for his shift on the NBA on TNT, which begins next week. We'll be right back. We are back here on the Steam Room. Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. Special, special guest. Yeah, because next week those NBA on TNT Tuesdays begin with uh, Adam Lefko and Shaq, Candace Barker and our guest now, Dwayne Wade. Uh, Dwayne, as we tell everyone who's a guest on on the, uh, the steam room, we ask that you keep your towel on which might be difficult considering this picture from your 39th birthday recently. Uh-oh.
2: I knew something was coming.
0: Wow. I like that. Would you like to explain or does it need any explanation?
2: <laughs> As a retired athlete, man, you know, I know how hard it is, you know, to keep our athletic build. So I'm just trying to flunt it while I still have
1: it. You haven't been retired long enough to worry about that yet.
2: And uh, you know that's why that's why I'm getting ahead of it early, so I you know I can see and keep myself motivated. You know,
0: Chuckster. On behalf of uh, all the listeners and any viewers <laughs> who might see that clip, I would encourage you not to try to mimic D. Wade. Hey, Ernie, things
1: are so bad at my house. I keep a towel on when I'm walking around the house by myself. Mm. I always that's when you that's when you know you're fat when you got mirrors all around your house or you have to wear a towel around the house. I, I hate that.
0: Yeah, me too. D-Wade, excited about next Tuesday, man?
2: I am, man. I think my wife is probably even more excited than I am to get me out the house for a little while. But um, I'm definitely excited, man. And we, you know, last year, our year got cut short, you know, uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, so we only had a few shows together trying to build that continuity. You guys know continuity on air is everything. And so I'm excited to jump into year two of, you know, of my, of my I don't even know, I don't even know his expertise, but just, you know, been on been on set with, with Shaq and Candace and Adam and just have fun talking about the game that we all love. What's been the hardest thing about retirement? My body hurting, <laughs> like, you know, when you're playing you get on a, a schedule, you get your body on a, a schedule and it's used to getting massages or dry needling and stretching and icing and all these cold tubs. And once you retire, you realize you can't just go into arena and do those things or go in and have appointments with the trainers to do those. So probably my body was probably the hardest thing. Outside of that, I've kind of smoothly transitioned into just a normal person in life. What about all the free time? Well, I got a lot of kids, Chuck, so I don't have no free time. (laughs) I'm sorry, man. My, my, My free time goes to, you know, obviously once you leave a sport like basketball, And you're trying to find out something that makes you get out of bed every morning. That's the goal, right? Something that makes you want to put your feet on the ground and want to go work hard at it. Um, And outside of that, you know, spending time with your loved ones that you didn't get a chance to do while you're playing. And now that we're stuck in the pandemic, um, I've been able to be a parent, you know, like I've never been before. So that keeps me pretty busy and just supporting my wife and her career and and, and just everything when it comes to that. So it keeps me pretty busy. You know, that, that's, that's very interesting
1: because I'm not even sure how to phrase it because we're not normally in a pandemic. So normally your kids are gone all day and you have a lot of free time. And I know yeah. a, lot of guys, a lot of guys struggle with, like, I got nothing to do today. You never realize how many 24 hours is a day until you, like, got nothing to do. <laughs> I guess to a certain degree, the pandemic has really helped you.
2: Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, um, but I was actually having a conversation with Gilbert Arenas on his uh, podcast, No Chill, No Chill Gil, and um, he talked about when he first retired and what his schedule was like, wake up, you know, get in the car, drive downtown, drive back, go to lunch, <laughs> yeah. eat some lunch, go to sleep, wake up and do it again. Like, he really didn't have anything to do. So, you know, for me, this is all I know in my first year of retirement is we've pretty much been in the pandemic the entire time. So I've been able to kind of sit back and figure out, like, what is it? The things, the areas that I feel that, you know, I hopefully have a passion in and try to attack those areas while we all at home. So I haven't got a real sense of a first year retirement, but this is the new year. This is how I retire. just the way I am. I grow my beard out. I change my hair colors. I do all that stuff and I just have fun in life, you know, and along the way, I hope that I can, uh, you know, build some cool things with some cool
0: people and just continue to have fun. Take your hat off, man. What color is it?
2: Oh, no, it's black. It's black. I'm okay. coming back to work. I'm coming okay. back to work. I, gotta, okay, I got to get my professional look
0: back on. So, yeah, <laughs> I got you. So, we're about uh, 20 games into the season now. And, you know, when the season starts, everybody says, well, we're not going to know much until about 20 games in. What do you know 20 games in about who's for real and who's not?
2: Well, I know the Lakers are really good. I think that's the one thing we all know. And I think outside of that, you know, the one thing you're seeing with certain teams that we may be surprised that they're not having a seat, the year that they're having is, you know, they're having no fans in the building. It hurts and it helps, <laughs> you know, certain teams and certain players. Um, and, you know, I know some guys are probably having a hard time getting up for certain games because they don't have the energy, you know, in the arena, but it's good to see Philly figuring it out, you know, in, in a consistent way early this year. It's good to see Joe LMB taking that, that leadership role that we all know his talent, you know, uh, allows him to have. Um, it's good to see the interesting storylines of what Brooklyn is going to do with all that, uh, that that talent that they have right now. It's interesting to see it, you know, when they, when it looks good and when it doesn't, you know, and how they're going to come back to how they're going to fix it. So it's some very interesting storylines that keep all of us, you know, tuning in for sure. What is the Miami Heat culture? What does
1: that mean? We hear that all the time. I mean, you've been obviously (laughs) part of it, obviously.
2: So, what is what "quote unquote"? What is the Miami Heat culture? It's it's, you know, it's crazy. It's hard to put it into words. It's it's an experience that you 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 would once you walk into the Miami Heat arena, you experience, you feel it right away, you know. And I think once you when you put it into words, Pat Riley would say it starts with you know the best condition, you know, most professional. Toughest, meanest, nastiest team in the NBA. Right, that's the bylaws of the Heat. And then now, now the rules come into play of how do you become those things and all those rules that Pat Riley has set is part of the culture. And so that's what it is.
0: You know something about that Miami team, though. I mean, it's been tough sledding for that bunch, and and it's COVID related. I mean, i we haven't seen Jimmy Butler in weeks. It seems like they've had they've had you know they've been putting the team on the floor that's been decimated and they're, you know, sitting there as we talk at six and 11. But I think a lot of teams, you know, there's been an uneven start to the year. And I think a lot of that, you just have to look at, it's hard to, it's hard to get any consistency when you've got guys sitting out for long periods of time.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, you guys know greatness equals consistency, and so for a team to be good, they need consistent lineups. You know, they need consistent bodies. And it's just like a season where guys are getting injured, but they're not getting injured. You know, a lot of guys are going out with, you know, COVID. So it's definitely going to be another one of those years in the NBA where it's going to be a lot of talk at the end of the year of, you know, the asterisk sign of something. Um, but, you know, it's this is the world we all living in and we all dealing with. And so if anybody could figure it out, we definitely feel confident the NBA will figure it out. You know, this
1: week, in the last 48 hours been the one year anniversary of kobe's passing
2: where were you at when that happened when you first got the news man it was crazy so i had just woke up and i woke i had woke up and i went to the bathroom when i was looking at social media and i had seen that lebron had passed kobe the night before and i and i realized that i didn't send lebron a congratulation message and so i text lebron right at that moment i'm in the bathroom i text lebron right at that moment and he texts me back and we're having a conversation about how crazy it is that he just passed Kobe Bryant. Like this is a guy that we all grew up analyzing and you just passed him. And so we were talking about that. And then I went back in a room with my wife and and I said, man, babe, like, you know talking about the night before. And the night before we were out hanging with friends and it was so much fog in LA that our friends would not allow us to drive. And so they had their driver take us home uh, that night. And so me and my wife sitting there and we're talking about the fog. And my phone rings as my phone rings as David Fisdale's calling me. And then my wife screams. And right at that moment, like that's when I found out when I picked up the phone and, and and coach Fisdale said, did you hear the news about Kobe? And I just, I just went into shock. I went into the state of shock, you know, and, and the same, like everyone else you went into kind of deny of this information is, is not right. You know, TMZ got it wrong. And so, yeah, man. You know, I
1: remember I was at the movies and I always go early in the morning and I come out and I I don't ever take my phone in the movie theater. When I get back, I had 50 missed calls and 60 messages. And listen, you obviously a lot closer to COVID than I was, but I still started crying because you know, once you're in this business, you feel like these guys are part of your family. Mm -hmm. And I have known Kobe a long time. And the thing that's really crazy, I live in Philadelphia during the summer and I pass Kobe Bryant's high school every single day. And the first thing comes to my mind every time I pass that school is Kobe Bryant with the high school there. Mm -hmm. And so I have felt like I had known him. uh, And like I said, I'm not gonna get on here and tell you, we were like great friends. But, man, I just started crying, and I, I was in shock. Uh, I mean,
2: it was crazy. Let me ask you both this. Does it feel like a year? It, it To me, it feels – to me, it still doesn't – honestly, it doesn't feel real still. It's a part of it that does not feel real to me, but it's a part of it as well that, you know, obviously you have to deal with it. But this year has been so long that it it kind of feels longer, Yeah, you know, to me, and – so no it doesn't it feels longer than a year but it but it doesn't feel real at the same time like this is something that I don't think none of us that was close to Kobe or knew Kobe or had an infection for him that we're going to get over or forget anytime soon so it's going to feel like it just happened but it's also going to feel like forever ago
0: sometimes it seems like it was because it hurt so much it seems like it was yesterday and then other times it seems like yeah I'm hard to put into words Tell me, D, what's going on with you and Mello and CP3 and the social change fund?
2: You know, we, you know, we always talk about legacy, right? This word gets thrown around a lot, especially when you become an athlete. And so over our years of our friendship, we always talked about what our legacy would be as, as black men that are friends and that have had the platform that we've had. And so you know, we we were always waiting for that opportunity to, to do something bigger than us together. And when everything happened in our world, you know, I felt we all came together. LeBron was already doing more than a vote. So obviously he's not a part of the social change fund, but we all came together about our ESPY speech. And when we took the stage and we had a call to action to our athletes when we called out everyone to do more. And so we decided to put a fund together to create a fund that would allow all our athletes and and others to do more and we wanted to p- pull our collective reach together our collective brands together and we felt that you know obviously it's more strength than numbers you know we all are doing pretty cool things in our own you know personal foundations but our reach is wide our reach is longer together our voices are stronger together and so it's on us to go out and you know fight for our communities and so we wanted to build a fund that myself and Carmelo and CP and Candace Park and Natasha Cloud, like, you know, CJ McCullough, everyone who's a part of it, that they can bring in what it is passionate about and we can all get together to make sure that we're helping support, you know, the people in the communities doing the real work. You know,
1: this has been an amazing time and a crazy time with all these, uh, not just basketball players, football players. Uh, you got the young ladies on the national soccer team. Like, this thing has really been amazing guys voicing their opinion, you know, give a shout out to Adam Silver, letting the guys uh, say and put whatever they wanted to on their jersey. Are,
2: are you happy with the progress at this point? I've always loved being a part of the NBA, but like now as a father, as an older man, I'm, I'm, I'm even more proud of being a part of a league like the NBA because of the support that we've gotten from, you know, our commissioner, um, support that, you know, in, in the way that it has allowed players to use this basketball platform, You know, just the same way as we all love working for, you know, Turner uh, for TNT because they allow us to have these platforms, i.e. the arena and these different shows to be able to speak on things that we're passionate about, things that really has, you know, hurt and affected our community over the years and things that's going on in real time. And so I am I'm proud to be a black man in this world right now. I'm proud to be a former uh, NBA player, and I'm also proud to be able to take the stand with you guys and be on TNT and be able to have that platform to use it for something bigger than basketball. Hey, let me ask you this question. So I,
1: I don't want you to lie to Ernie like I did. <laughs> no, when I got this job, Ernie pulled me aside. He said, how long are you gonna be here? I said, I'm gonna be here two <laughs> years. I'll be here for two years, Ernie. Then I'm gonna be in
2: the front office. So do you have any front office aspirations? I do. I, I think, you know, Chuck, I think most of us you know once you play the game of basketball, you have some, you want to be involved in the front office, right? Um, I know I would be a terrible coach, so I I don't want to try that. But you know, my goal is always to be either a president one day or be part owner of ownership one day. And so that's still a goal that, you know, I'm I'm gonna to try to 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 accomplish. But it's funny, so Shaq asked me that after our first night, he said, yo, how many, you know, how long you try to do this? I said, uh ah. Yeah, you know, two three years. He was like, "Why?" He's like, "Why, why?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know. I'm just trying to see if I like it." And he was like, "Who cares if you like it? You just do it." <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. What he told me.
1: I feel the same way about his commercials.
2: <laughs> How long you gonna do them? <laughs> yeah, no,
1: he, I'm. I'm just gonna do them. I don't care if they're good or not. I'm just gonna do them. <laughs>
0: Wayne, who did you seek out for advice about TV when you got into it? Michael Strahan was uh was someone that I
2: immediately, you know, called and talked to. We had a long conversation. We had a few, uh, even before I retired, about retirement and what's next and how he kind of took TV and, you know, and made it his brand and, and how 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 he does it, you know, in so many different ways and so many different forms. So I looked at him because I felt like he was someone who had a personality that was kind of similar to my kind of quirky weird personality. And um, he gave me some great advice.
0: You want to work that much?
2: No, that's why I came to TNT. I mean, he's on everything. That's why I came over to TNT because I don't work that much. <laughs> uh, I saw what Charles was talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, I, I I always tell people it's a very tricky thing when you retire, Ernie, because number one. A lot of us don't have college degrees, first and foremost, but also you haven't been in the business world. So you it ain't like you're going to go get a job at Microsoft or somewhere like that. So then you're like, okay, what are my options? Well, first of all, you're not going to go get a nine to five. That's just too much damn hard work. He said, well, and he's, and Dwayne says, I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling that coaching thing. Uh-huh. So you need to try to go into the front office or you go in, uh, or you come into television. So it's not a lot of options that guys have. I mean, uh, cause like I say, you can only do, I remember the first time Michael Jordan retired, he says, I'm just gonna play golf every day. Then <laughs> he called me like three, three weeks later. Yeah, I'm tired of playing golf. And I right. said, yeah. Because, yeah, it's just not a lot to choose from because I think Dwayne Wade is great, one of the greatest ever to do it. Going to go like, yeah, I'm going to just get me a nine to five right now. That just doesn't compute because you've never <laughs> done that.
0: I saw an interesting exchange on uh, social media the other day. Chuckster, I know you're not into social media, but I think you might find this amusing and you can weigh in. Uh, it was, what is the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich? What is the percentage of peanut butter to the percentage of jelly okay and so donovan mitchell uh of the utah jazz uh responds to that and says what zero percent peanut butter 100 percent jelly yeah, and jelly. you and you took issue with that d because i love
2: a good peanut butter and jelly and i i, I how can you talk about peanut butter and jelly without mentioning peanut butter. So the fact that he just wanted a jelly sandwich, I just, yeah. So I needed to say something. So I was like, I think for me and everyone is different. I'm 60, 40, I'm 60% peanut butter and I'm 40% jelly. I feel like that makes my perfect sandwich or peanut butter and jelly.
0: Smooth or crunchy?
2: No, I like smooth. That crunchy gets yeah. a little tricky. Yeah, yeah. And it tear the bread up. It's not my thing. Listen,
1: uh,
0: here's the expert, by the way,
2: speaking as a, as
1: a fat guy, Uh, (laughs) peanut butter and P and J is one of the great inventions of all time of all time.
0: P B and J. Uh, uh, we don't just call it a P and J it's P B and J peanut butter Okay, I'm
1: sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. Mr. Mr. Correctness. Um, (laughs) I I do agree with D Wade on the crunchy thing. It gets number one, it it messes up the bread, but it also gets in your teeth, Mm. but he's a hundred percent right. You can't put too much jelly you can't put too much jelly because it'll mess it up. You gotta have 60, 40. I think I think that's pretty much correct.
0: Thank you. Is it strictly grape jelly?
2: Yes. I mean, that's where we come. That's what. That's how we were raised. I'm sure. But like now, they got all these jelly options. That strawberry has become a big part of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Now, a lot of people love strawberry. Uh, I, think, I think people love like peach as well. Uh, so it get a little. It get a little weird. Chuck, do you like your, your your bread toasted or you just like regular white or wheat bread?
1: First of all, I love wheat bread. Like if I'm gonna have a sandwich, I want it on wheat bread. And I'm not even sure what had happened because we couldn't afford wheat bread growing up. We just had regular white bread.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, I actually like it toasted. Mm. Uh, but I'm telling you because that little heat, that little heat kind of melts the peanut butter
2: my
0: man,
1: yeah. and yes, it kind of melted a little <laughs> bit. So, yes, sir, I love that.
0: Chuckster, try this. Look how excited you're getting. You're knocking your mic over and everything <laughs> is, when when the topic changes to food. Good. Try this on toast: peanut butter, sliced banana. First of all, I hate bananas. You know that. Bananas are good for you. Good potassium, no. right? Good, yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah, keeps yeah, you, yeah. keeps you from cramping up, doesn't it, D? Oh, do you're not a banana fan?
2: No, I love bananas, but I don't like them. Like, it, so I even have an issue with having like tomatoes and lettuce on on a burger. And I'm trying oh, to get that it's you. a change of consistency. It's a change of consistency for me that I can't get down with. Like, I can eat a tomato and I can eat lettuce, but put them together. Sometimes I just it's not my jam. Sometimes.
1: See, <laughs> that's the smartest thing you ever said because you can't you can't put tomatoes on a sandwich because it always messes up the bread. And, and nothing worse on a sandwich than wet bread. So when you go places, you can't – I hate when they put the tomato on there. It just messes up everything, Ernie. I'm
0: not in agreement because I because one of my favorites is a tomato sandwich. Which is not a thing. On toast. On toast. Not a thing. A tomato sandwich on toast, a little mayo, a little salt and pepper. Oof. Kill uh, it. First of all, that's not a, <laughs> uh, nobody wants just a tomato sandwich. Yes, they do. It's like avocado
2: sandwiches now. They want avocado sandwiches. Yeah,
0: no, no, yeah, uh, no, no. I, I just, I need a little avocado just as part of a bigger Sammy. Okay. That's what I need.
1: Uh, that's a hard no for me on avocado. Hard no.
0: So you're not a guac guy.
1: No, never had guac in my life.
2: Yeah, I can do it out. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't enrich my life at all, Ernie. Like it does nothing for my life.
0: You know what you need to do? Next time you're in San Antonio, when Chuck loves to go to the Riverwalk down there, they've got these they've got these restaurants where they make the guacamole right there at your table and it's unbelievable. You yeah, need I've it. seen that before.
1: It's just mashed up avocado or it is not guacamole. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> and ain't
2: like ain't onions and all that. Ain't like a lot of different stuff they put in there, combined. Yeah, it. I,
0: I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't like, it. I don't like oh, it. Man, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, D Wade, wonderful talking to you as always. We look forward to watching you and Lefko and and Candice and Shaq next Tuesday night, bringing it again. You guys have a wonderful mix, a wonderful chemistry there, and it's uh, it's really fun to watch. We're looking forward to it, man. Hey, shout out to Candace Parker too. She's going back home to
1: play in Chicago to finish up her career. I'm really ex- I'm really excited for her to finish her yes. career in her hometown.
2: Yeah, so uh, I had a long conversation with her. She's actually in the same position I was in 13 years in one situation, and then now I have a chance to go back home, and she's super excited about that opportunity, and that's a good team she's going to, a great coach in James Wade. So I'm a big fan of Chicago Sky. They know it, and uh, now they're getting my, they get my teammate and my own girl, Candace. I'm, I'm all in, so uh, definitely. appreciate you guys. I'm looking forward to it. Chuck, I, wish I, I hope I can see you at our spot. You know, getting some at some point where I'm in Atlanta, man. I'll bring uh, you
1: your red wine and I'll bring my tequila. We good.
2: All right, well then I'll see you there, brother. For sure.
0: <laughs> we appreciate you keeping your towel on, D. Thanks, man.
2: Thank you. I mean, you know, anything happens on the show, you just never know how I'm gonna be feeling on a Tuesday. Just saying. <laughs> I Going <know> that. up. <laughs> I know that.
0: Have a great one, man. Thanks. Thank
2: you guys, man.
0: And we welcome you back to the Steam Room. Thank you, loyal steamers, for hanging out with us again. Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, and uh, it was great having D-Wade on. Uh, and now and now we bring in the legendary oh my longtime producer of Inside the NBA. My special? You are beyond special. Yeah, yeah, he's specialized.
1: Right. Tim Kiley. Legendary. Okay. DK to his yeah. friends. Okay. Duck, you ready
3: for some numbers? Yes, I am ready for some numbers. Consistency. He hit 755 home runs, never hit more than 50 in one. That's amazing. But he did hit 30 home runs 15 times. That's amazing. How about this one? 100 RBIs 11 times. Wow. He's the all-time leader at 2,297.
0: Yeah, of all those, all the records that fall to the wayside production, that one still remains with uh, Henry Aaron leading. in uh, in RBIs
3: and Ernie we grew up in the Reggie Jackson era too and Mr. October in 17 postseason games Henry Aaron hit 362 wow six home
1: runs and 16 RBIs so he was pretty good in the clutch too you think (laughs) just to look at those numbers stacked on top of each other TK it's like and the thing that's amazing think about the amount of stress he was under oh my god I mean Sports are the hardest thing to do normally, but to do it under stress, uh, you, you just got to tip your hat. I mean, that's just how amazing this man was.
0: And When you watched him play too, when you watched him swing, and again, he, he wasn't a tape measure home run kind of guy. He had these incredible wrists and just such a quick bat and balls would just leave the ballpark, bang. And it wasn't like, oh, that one's going to go 550 feet. It was just like there's another Aaron home run, you know, trademark kind of home runs that he hit. And I always remember what an old pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals named Kurt Simmons once said about Henry. He said, trying to sneak a fastball past Henry Aaron's like trying to sneak the sun past a rooster. <laughs> That's, I, love, I love that. I love that. I love that.
3: Well, speaking of wake-up calls, Ernie, I'm gonna shanghai the answering machine because I know you got a hustle for the show
1: tonight. Cap, first up, take a spin. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America.
3: Hey, Charles. Why was your voice so like, high in the 90s and then it just went really low all of a sudden? <laughs> in case we need an example, Cap, you got the tape? oh this ain't gonna be good. Remember this, Ernie?
2: Charles Barkley, ferocious rebounder, intimidator, tough. Been out two weeks with a toenail missing.
1: You know it is embarrassing. You know I am supposed. To, no, seriously, it is embarrassing because I'm supposed to be the baddest man in the world. I, I'm not. That's just a reputation they gave me because I got in a couple of bar brawls.
0: Duck. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when did things drop for you? Uh, I I have no idea why my voice changed over the years. But let me tell y'all something, America. When I first hurt my toe. I told the doctor, I said, "Yo, man, uh, I'm gonna just give me a shot. I'm gonna play." He said, "You're gonna be out about two weeks." I said, "Dude, I'm not missing no game with a toe." He says, "Okay." He says, "Put your shoe on." And TK, I dropped like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, I was like, this is the worst pain I ever had in my life. I couldn't get my shoe on. So finally, I got him. I had to take all the laces out of my shoes. And the first time I tried to take a step and I pushed down on, it was my big toe, I thought somebody shot me. Man, I was in pain so bad, it was crazy.
0: That was quite the clip from that long-running Reggie Miller talk show. Oh
1: yeah, that was big stuff. That's like Shaquille's suit he was wearing back then. That's the biggest suit in the world.
3: Yeah, but I'm I'm supposed to be one of the real tough guys in the league, so.
1: <laughs> anyway,
3: call number two. Oh. According to your Wikipedia page, which I know is not the most reliable source of information, it says that you majored in uh, business management at Auburn University. And I was wondering if there's um, any bit of business advice that you could give me as a current business student. And for the heck of it, I wonder if um, Ernie can give me uh, any college advice as well. Uh, Have a nice day, guys. Bye-bye.
0: Here's my college advice. UGA. 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 Go to Georgia. Well, let me say this. You're right about the Wikipedia
1: page not being accurate. I was in college for three years and I'm a legitimate freshman. I can (laughs) promise you that. My piece of advice to anybody in business, number one, when people walk up to you and say, hey, I got a great way to make money, turn them off right away. (laughs) Turn them off right away. Unless somebody give you a comprehensive business plan, what's going in and out, (laughs) never listen to them. And also, when people tell you I got a way we can make a million dollars, let's be realistic. Somebody say, we're gonna make 500,000. No, no, no. Tell me how we're gonna make 200,000, then 300. Don't give me no pie in the sky. Hey, we're gonna make a lot of money. Chuck, I got an investment for you. It's a stock called GameStop. Well, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that, TK. You heard of this, Ernie? But yeah. I did hear about that this morning on today's show in the money segment. Ten
3: months ago it was trading two dollars and eighty cents. Yesterday it closed at $347.51 a share. So that's a pretty good chunk of change to make, Chuck. But apparently it was a it was a trading places deal with the Duke
1: brothers. Hey. One of the most underrated movies of all time, Trading Places, with a young Eddie Murphy, Dan Agrod, and a hot Jamie Lee Curtis.
3: (laughs) It was the Dukes. It was the Dukes.
1: Remember, Ernie? (laughs) Yeah. One of the most underrated movies of all time.
3: All right, last one to get us out of here. Go ahead, Cap.
0: Hey, Charles. This is Lori. I'm actually calling from Canada. One of your favorite cities, Toronto. So my question for you is, what is the biggest misconception about
1: you? Well, number one, Toronto is my favorite city in the world. Biggest misconception that I'm a loudmouth jerk. First of all, everybody on TV is a loudmouth jerk. <laughs> you know, if if people turn on sporting events to get your opinion, if I said something you don't like, I'm considered a loudmouth jerk or
0: gas bag. But Here, along those lines, I have a question, Chuckster there is this perception that you don't care what people think uh, or when they disagree with you. Is that a misconception? Does it, does it sting sometimes? Not really. Uh, Ernie, the one thing that I'm very
1: proud of, I've been on TV for 20 years. I can say not one single time have I said something about a person because I didn't like them. Dr. J gave me the best advice one time when I was first becoming a star before you get all mad about what somebody said about you in a newspaper or on television, be mad enough to say, is it true? And then you go from there. Ernie, I just have one misconception for Charles before we tie this
3: thing up. If you think we weigh the same, that's a bad misconception. Chuckster, (laughs) everybody says you don't watch basketball. I'm here to disagree with them. He watches basketball a whole lot, especially after CSI is done or wrestling is done.
1: They do come first. First of all, on on our show, I'm the leader in the clubhouse by far.
0: In terms of watching games?
1: Yeah, Ernie got 12 kids. Shaq never watches the game. And Kenny don't watch the game. So I'm the leader in the clubhouse. I watch the game too, Chuckster. Yeah, but you don't watch as many as I do. I got no life, Ernie. You got a bunch of kids.
0: I watch a lot of late night games.
1: Yeah, like I watch... I watch basketball every single day. That's how stupid I am. I'm either watching <laughs> college or pro games. Like last night, I was watching St. John's against Paul, But I watched the Warriors last night. The 76 er game was great last night. The 76ers are my team in the East right now. I said it three weeks ago, and y'all said I was crazy. Uh, but I still like the 76ers as a team that beat in the Eastern Conference. But listen, I will put my watching basketball up against anybody. One thing that makes me mad, you got all these fools and jackass on other networks who talk about every sport, which makes me laugh. So they'll talk about basketball, they'll talk about football, they'll talk about baseball, and they'll talk about hockey. And I'm saying to myself, there's no way in the hell you watch all those sports.
0: <laughs> Please stop lying. You do that, no, I Chuck. I, you do that. I see you do that all the time. We have a playoff game. You say, "Ooh, I, I can't wait!" It's the Bruins
1: playing game five tonight. No, no, but I don't get on TV and tell some tell people somebody suck at hockey or football or, or or something like that. At least I stick to some I know what I'm talking about. What's that? Basketball. Nice I know, try. I was, Ernie.
0: Me- I was just messing with you. That's,
3: that's okay. Cool them down, Ernie. Cool them yeah. down. Oh, my God. Time for a production meeting, Ernie. I'll see you guys next week. All right, guys. Everybody be safe. I'll see
0: y'all tonight. Always nice hanging out with a legend. Thanks, TK. Oh, Oh, yeah. Dwayne Wade. Good call. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thanks, Cap. Well, that's about it for uh, for this edition of uh, of the Steam Room. Uh, that was some fun, wasn't it? D-Wade joining us. And- that was a fun, and we got, uh, thanks for
1: D-Wade and Tim Kylie. and uh, really, uh, I'm really glad uh, we started the show, even though it was a little summer. I want to thank all those guys for being in my life,
0: uh, whether I knew them or not, uh, they were a blessing. You are absolutely right, and, and on that note, we bid you adieu for this week. Um, We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Steam Room. See you later, loyal steamers.